Good morning. God is good, eh? It's good to see all your wonderful faces in the room. And thanks for joining us online. My name is Paul. All right, church, I shared something last week. Anybody remember it? Some of you are going, I don't know what he's doing. Okay, but I'm telling you something. One person can pull on a net and it's going to take forever to pull it up. But when an entire body does it, something happens, something shifts, something changes. So I'm going to ask you to get up on your feet. I'm going to ask you to get ready to go into worship. And I'm going to ask you right now to start to pull on the things of God, to start to give your heart directly to Him. And let's do this as a body because there's a breakthrough for you, but there's a breakthrough for the community. There's a breakthrough for the province. There's a breakthrough through the nation. So as a church, as we do this together, something will shift in your life and in the lives of those people around us. These altars, church, these altars are open. I don't care who you are. If you need a touch from God, come to the altar. If you want to come to the altar and raise your hands, come to the altar. If you want to worship, it's open for you. Let's worship him. So something amazing is about to happen. Get ready. Here's the scripture. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The first wave of the spirit that's going to move across this room is for those of you that are trapped in sin and shame. You're feeling bad. This is not about how you feel right now, but the Holy Ghost is about to release a wave of his righteousness across the room. It starts on this side and it's just going to start washing. It's washing, it's washing, it's washing, it's washing. He's coming across the room. He's coming across the room. Doesn't matter what you feel. His righteousness is overwhelming shame right now. His righteousness is washing over every sin right now. It's done, it's over. If that was you, keep soaking in that. The second wave's coming from this side. If you're hurt and you're broken and you're like, God, where are you? I need a touch. This is about to happen, starting on this side. Here comes the wave of peace. This is objective. His peace sweeping across. I give peace, not like the world gives, where everything has to be made right and then I can relax. My peace I give you, and it's washing over right now where you you come out of the immediacy of the trouble and you see him. You see him and you start to feel reassured. It's gonna be okay. I know my redeemer lives. And that faith starts to rebuild and the confidence starts to rebuild. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he's watching me. I can endure, I can make it through. His peace settling down, all that conflict. If that's you, marinate in that for a bit. But here comes the last wave. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. And it, this is how I'm seeing it. I'm gonna walk down this aisle here. It's like the Red Sea parting. We're gonna have a wave go each direction and joy is gonna come in. Respond to it however you feel. Three, two, one. Joy, 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 joy. Man, I'm telling you, the Spirit of God is in this room right now. 
So I just want to increase your faith just a little bit, right? I want Amanda to share testimony from last Sunday, right? So November came, and I don't know what happened, but from basically, I could even say from midnight on October 31st, I started dealing with like debilitating anxiety. And I have dealt with anxiety on and off throughout my life, but this was different. This was like, I couldn't eat. I constantly felt like I was gonna throw up and just like heavy. And so I ended up actually going on a trip and on my trip I was able to, I was praying and praying and praying and it was able to lift enough that I could have a good time, but it was still there came home, got sick, and then my mom and I were traveling to Canmore, and the anxiety hit again, and again, like, and my mom can probably even say she's never seen me like that, like, I could sit there and read my book, but if she asked me questions, I would spiral, I couldn't eat, and just, it was from Monday through Friday, like, heavy. And I thought, oh, it'll lift when I get home. Got home, didn't lift. And so this was last Sunday. I wake up in the morning trying to get ready. I was supposed to be on the pro presenter and I had to ask someone to cover for me. And went to eat breakfast, couldn't do it. So I grabbed myself a snack and I was like, hopefully I could eat at church. I got here and just like the weight was so heavy. Walked in the door and somebody was like, hey Amanda, how's it going? And I started crying. <laughs> so I just, I didn't feel like myself even. So I came up and then, during the service, we started talking about healing and stuff. And so I went up and I'm just like, I don't feel like I can even stand up here, but I'm gonna push through anyway because I need relief. And it was intense. And then people started coming around me and praying and it lifted. I was able to go to my seat and eat and anxiety has not touched me once this week. Okay, here. Can you pray for people that are dealing with anxiety? Yes. Yeah? Okay. okay, if you're dealing with anxiety, put your hand up. I know it's, this is where we get to be vulnerable as a family because she's going to pray for you today. If you see a hand up, I just want you to put your hands on that person right now because I believe the Holy Spirit just wants to touch and heal right now. Oh, God, we just ask you to come and lift the anxiety off of our shoulders, out of our hearts, out of our stomachs, anywhere that it is settled, God, we ask that you would take it away and that you would replace it with your peace, your calm, your comfort, and your relief. And God, we just ask that you would do that all and bring an encompassing sense of peace and rejuvenation. Yes. Be healed in Jesus' name. Anxiety no more in Jesus' name. We claim healing and deliverance from it now in the name of Jesus Christ. Can our church say amen? I'm telling you, we're not meant to live with this stuff. We do not have to. I want us to do one last thing. Is that okay? I want us to stand up for 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Just hear me out. I feel like the Holy Spirit actually wants to make himself known to you in a, a more real way. Right now, I feel him in this room, and I feel like some of you, you might not even know what I'm talking about. Who's the Holy Spirit? Well, I'm telling you, he's real. 
The Holy Spirit was a gift given to us from Jesus, from up above. And here on earth, whatever struggles you're going through right now, I feel the Holy Spirit wants to come upon you in a special and in a powerful way. So part of our job as leaders is to train, equip, and release. And right now, I'm going to release you to do something. I want you to put your hand on your own head right now. I don't know what you're going through, but you know. And I want you to take 30 seconds. And if you don't know how to pray, it's not hard. Jesus, I need you to touch me. Jesus, I need you to heal me. Father, I need deliverance. God, I need a breakthrough. Father, I don't know what's going on in my life. I need direction. I don't know what you need to pray, but in 30 seconds, you can ask him. And I believe the Father is here, and he wants to meet your need. He wants to touch you. So here you go. In 30 seconds, pray it out. Lift your voices to him. Go. For some of you, I feel it. Freedom from your sin and your bondage. Things that have owned you, gripped you. That secret realm, I feel like the Lord is saying right now, I want to break that off you. You don't have to live in that shame and pretend when you come in here. He wants to break it off you in Jesus' name. So, Father, break that off in Jesus' name. The hidden stuff, God, break it off in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. We're going to let the Lord do what he's doing right here. Just during the service there, I feel like there's a word, too, I want to release. It's just a simple word. Derek, just release that simple word you brought to me because I felt like that was a word for someone sitting in our seats right now. So just share that real quick. Yes, I feel this is some for someone specific. You may see yourself like one of those old deserted farmhouses on the end of a dirt road where there used to be life, there used to be family, there used to be joy, and now it's just a deserted farmhouse that nobody knows what to do with any longer. But the Lord sees you, and the Lord says, I want to live in you. You don't see any great value. The neighbors don't see any great value. But that's the reason the Lord buys the property, because he sees a value. What's the value that he sees in it? His father used to own that, and his grandfather used to own that. And the Lord sees rich, sentimental value in that house. And he says, I want to live in that house. I want to bring life back to that house. I want to bring fullness. And so we say, Lord, if this is for someone specific, bring bring that spirit, bring that volume, bring that glory, bring that life, that majesty of the Lord back into that house, Lord. Back into that individual's spirit, Lord. Bring that thing that is fullness. Bring that thing that is life itself. We say yes to this, Lord. What a difference it makes when the Holy Spirit moves in. Such a powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit here this morning. Some of you guys may wonder why we're up here. Pastor Chris and some of the congregation know that we've been a long time in this battle with our son when it comes to the drug world. And he took me by the hand this morning and he said, Dad, come with me. 
because it created a lot of friction between myself and him. Although I'm a person that comes to church every Sunday, but I couldn't deal with the problems and the drugs. And if you know anything about the drug world, it's demonic and it's devastating. But I'm so glad this morning that Jesus decided to step in here and do something for me, him, and everybody here. Because I'm telling you, this place is charged with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it don't mean nothing. Thank you, guys. It's an awesome job. You can feel the presence of God coming down from here this morning. And this brother here, I love this brother. You know what he did this morning? He came down the hallway and he put his arms around my son. That means so much to me and my wife, Pastor Chris. This man is a godly man. I know I can feel it from him. I want everyone especially pray for this church, for everyone in this church, and this man here, this is a man of God. I definitely believe it. There's something from this man every Sunday he gets up here. He encourages people like me and everyone here to worship, to get involved. That's what it's all about. Thank you so much. (laughs) Right, man? I'm telling you, church, it's just about this. We're learning how to do this together as a family because God does not want any of us to stay where we are. There is freedom in front of us. There is a miracle in front of us. We just got to listen. And I'm telling you, when we listen, everything changes. You know, we got Dr. Luke in the house and he's going to walk us through some of this stuff today. And we are so stoked about what you're about to bring. I am so excited this guy is here today. He's got such a beautiful heart, and I know he's got a beautiful word for us today. So as a church, we welcome you. And again, we give you full freedom to share whatever the Lord's laid on your heart, brother. Thank you so much. Man, it is such a such an honor to get to be here today with you guys. It's an honor to get to serve at my local church. That is awesome. So it's great to be here. And I, was, uh, I wasn't here last week because I was down ministering in BC, down in Prince George. Has anyone been to Prince George? It's an, it's an all right place, eh? You know? God really moved, though. You know, we saw on the last night that I got to minister there, we, I, I actually spent some time training the people on how to pray for the sick to see people healed, and we saw about 50 notable healings, which was just awesome. And a lot of them were youth. There was a young girl who had arthritis in her hands, knees, and feet. She was only 20 years old, and God healed her from her arthritis. Like, isn't that crazy? God is just so good. You know, I have a... I have a few prophetic words. Do you guys mind if I share prophetic words? Is that fine? Yeah? Okay, sweet. I do want to release those. I don't see two of the people in the room, though. Let me put my glasses on. My eyes are just horrible. I used to have, like, 20-20 vision, and then I wrote, like, 20 books, and now I have, like, terrible eyesight. But, um, so one word is for you. There was also a couple. They were up here at the front worshiping. He was kneeling at the front here. And then his wife, they're in it with the kids. Uh, Are they able to pop in for two minutes? Okay. I'd love to just uh, 
Blast them. But yeah, I, I do have a word for you. Sorry, what's your name? You're wearing the stripes with the glasses. Rachel, why don't you guys just stretch your hands towards Rachel? Anyway, I know you're probably super awkward. I'm so sorry. If you could just even close your eyes, just like you're receiving from the Lord. I just, uh, you know, when you came up to the front and you began worshiping, the Lord gave me a glimpse into the last five years of your life. And this is what I saw for you. I saw that you've been in a very, uh, well, I'll start with this. The first thing I saw was that the Lord has given you a really brilliant mind and a very unique mind in the sense that you're very thorough in how you think about things and very organized in how you think about things. But it's really interesting because you also have this profoundly creative side to you as well. And what I saw for you in the last five years is I saw, it's almost like the Lord had you in a very unique season of just fixing your eyes inwards to focus in on your identity there's been a lot of the things that the Lord has been smoothing out in your heart, and it's been a very inward journey for the last five years or so. And the reason why is because there's been almost like a veil over you in this season of preparation for your calling and destiny. And what I saw for you specifically in the realm of creativity, I saw that there was a it was like there were things that would burn and bubble inside of you, but you almost needed to hold them back for several years. And the reason why is because it was, it was unto the Lord for a season, but I saw that in the last four months or so, there's been a really remarkable transition that's been going on in your life. And I saw just like a lot of things realigning, and I saw it's like, it's almost like that bubbling would come up, and it's like it used to be just for God, but now it's going to be for more people. And I saw that the Lord, uh, the Lord actually said, what was once only for me, now I'm going to call you to lead in. And I saw the Lord actually calling this to the forefront in your life. And I just want to honor you in this, because in, in the last four months, sorry, I know I'm seeing a lot of stuff and I give long words, but I, I saw the Lord over the last four months starting to pull this veil of training off of you in this time of transition. And I saw the Lord even relocating you in different ways. And I saw him changing some of your relationships around you. And even some people that the Lord, like, um, even some people where it's like, I've walked with these people for years. I never thought these relationships would change and weed out, but they've been weeding out and it's been some, some process. But it's the reason why is because not everyone who is in the wilderness with you transitions into the promised land. And sometimes there is a transition that needs to take place. But the Lord's marking you, Rachel, because in the last season, it was about you growing in your daughtership. But this next season is about you growing in your queenship and your calling and destiny. And the Lord's raising you up. So I just bless you right now. How's that? Is that, that makes sense? Yeah. That's, when, when your glasses are fogging like that, that's like a sure sign that at least one part of that was accurate, you know? But yeah, I have a word for you, for you too. Sorry, I, I know you guys are helping with kids, so I don't want to... I don't want to interrupt you with that. Why don't you guys stretch your hands towards these guys? I just bless you both right now. I just, you know, I just looked over at you guys in worship and you guys have just such gentle hearts and I just, I just love that. With the Lord, why don't you guys close your hands actually and just posture yourselves to receive from the Lord. I felt like the Lord showed me with you guys that there's actually a spirit of excellence on you. There's a spirit of excellence on you and God gave you guys a key a long time ago that if you'll be faithful with the little, God will give you much and if you're excellent with the small, God will give you more. And what I saw you guys doing was I saw you guys implementing that in your home. And I saw you implementing that in how you father and how you mother and how you actually, how you actually build a family. And what I saw for you guys is I saw, it's, all, it's really unique, I'm trying, sometimes it's tough for me to articulate what I'm seeing. 
it's almost like I saw a mantle over you guys for family and it's not just for your family. The Lord's actually called you guys to be builders within community and he's actually called you guys to be leaders and family. And what I saw you guys doing is I saw you guys actually opening up your home and actually training and equipping people to do fathering and mothering. And I saw you guys training and equipping people in marriage. What I feel like the Lord is going to give you is I feel like God is going to give you guys keys into, other, into people's homes and keys into people's community so that you can actually see households change because it's what you do so well. So I just saw you guys in this community, the Lord actually raising you guys up as a father and as a mother to actually help train and equip in the realm of family. And there's always been something about you guys where it's like, you're like, I don't really care if I'm ever up on the stage, but what you do want to do is you have a heart for the people who feel on the outside. And you have a heart to invite people in and, and to almost like walk in Psalm 91 where it talks about how we're sheltered in the wings of the Lord. You know, you guys very much function like that to be a safe place for people around you. And I just want to bless you guys, but God... It, you know, it's one thing to operate in it for your own home. It's another thing to be a leader in it. And the Lord is raising you guys up in family. He's raising you up to be leaders in family. So I release this over you. Another thing that I saw with you guys is I saw the Lord actually breathing new waves of entrepreneurship over you guys with business. And I saw like a partnership with the family and business stuff. And I saw new waves of business coming. There's going to be new strategy for business, new, new ways to create wealth. So I just release this over you guys right now and just bless you guys in Jesus' name. Yeah. Is that all right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Just wanted to encourage you guys. Okay, why don't we pray? Why don't you just put your hand on your heart? Jesus, we just thank you that you're so good. We thank you for how beautifully you've been moving, Jesus, and you've been touching hearts and lives and families. And God, we just thank you that you're going to continue to do that. And Jesus, as we talk today about the prophetic and hearing your voice. God, I pray that you just awaken our ears to hear in Jesus' name. I pray that you awaken our ears to hear, awaken our hearts to hear, awaken our eyes to see. I pray all of this right now in Jesus' name. Actually, why don't you say this out loud? Just say, ears here. Ears You're prophesying over yourself. Say, ears here. Ears say, eyes see. see. In Jesus' name. Amen. So several years ago, I was driving in the back country and I was spending some time with the Lord. And as I was spending some time with him, it was like, it was almost like I felt like a healing anointing come in the vehicle. Are you guys used to that terminology? Man, I believe that Jesus heals. So this, I felt this healing anointing come in my vehicle and I asked the Lord, I said, what type of healing anointing is this? Because, you know, we've seen a lot of healings in our ministry, and we, we love physical healings. We love, how many of you guys love heart healings? We love all that stuff. So I was like, God, what type of healing anointing is this that you're attaching to our ministry? And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Luke, this is a healing anointing to bring healing to people's doctrines. And he began to share with me just about how the teaching anointing and the teaching gift of the church has been quite neglected. Now for me, I primarily function as a prophetic voice to the body of Christ, but secondary, I function very much like a teacher. And a part of my gift set is to come in and to help kind of align perspectives so that we can have a healthy doctrine around things. And one of the areas that I get to do this in is in the prophetic and hearing God's voice. How many of you guys believe that God speaks today? John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus speaks and he says, my sheep hear my voice, they know me. Who here, Jesus, is your shepherd? 
guess what? God speaks to you then. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse one, Paul wrote the Corinthian church and he said, pursue love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you will prophesy. So what you just saw me do right now, we are actually commanded by God to eagerly desire. You know, when people were coming up at the front, when Cam came up at the front and started sharing about what God was doing, we're commanded to seek this out. Because when Paul wrote this to the church, this wasn't a recommendation to the church, it was an apostolic commandment. He was like, if you want to see a sustained move of God, you need to learn to hear him. Because we can't build on our own understanding. You know, I've had the honor of getting to travel and speak all over the world, and I've met some very, very smart people, people way smarter than myself. But you know what, I've never, I haven't met one person who is wise enough to lean on their own understanding. Not one. We need the voice of God. So I'll share a story with you. This was the first breakthrough I ever had with hearing the voice of God. You ready? Actually, you know what, I'll start off saying this. You know, I've got around some prophetic people who hear the voice of God, and I'll ask them sometimes, you know, how did your prophetic gift start? And a lot of the times they'll say to me, it's like, you know, I just woke up one day and it was like my prophetic gift just turned on. Or I went to this service and my prophetic gift just turned on. It was like a nine out of 10 right away. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that's really irritating. <laughs> is, that, is that irritating for you? It's a little irritating for me because my prophetic gift was not a nine out of 10. It was like a 0.5 out of 10. And I had to work at it. I had to grow at it. But my first breakthrough, I was about 18 years old. I'm sitting in a coffee shop. I'm sitting in Tim Hortons. You guys like Tim Hortons? Here's a Canadian testimony for you then. Someone, I just looked and someone was shaking their head. No, mad. You gotta forgive Tim Hortons. Okay, so I'm sitting in this coffee shop and I'm spending time with the Lord and I look over and a few tables down there's a man sitting there. He's about 45 years old. And he's writing in his journal and I'm, you know, I had stepped out in the prophetic before and I tried hearing God's voice and you know, sometimes it was a little on, sometimes it was a little off because you know, we're just learning to hear. It's like newlyweds when they get together. You know, have you ever been around newlyweds and they just get around, they, they, they get in these ridiculous fights about like what restaurant they want to go to, you know? And really their hearts aren't wrong but their communication is off. But after you've been married for a long time, it's like me and Sophie, we've been married for almost 12 years. I can just look at my wife. She won't say a word and I know what she's thinking. You know, that's the power of actually growing in communication. So we learn to hear. So I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, I get this imprint in my mind. It was like a vision. And, you know, we shouldn't be uncomfortable with that because Holy Spirit, he's not an external God. So we can't expect him to always speak audibly. He's an internal God. So he'll speak through thought process, impressions, feelings, senses, and we learn to tune our ears to hear his whisper. So I see this vision, and what I see is a young child running throughout a field trying to catch a butterfly. And he's trying to catch this butterfly. He cannot catch it for the life of him. And the Lord speaks to me, and he says, ever since this man was a small child, he has felt like he has chased after beauty his entire life, but it has always felt out of hand's grasp. But I'm about to open doors that he's been praying to have open, and I'm about to close doors that he's been praying to have closed. So all of a sudden, I start sweating. Not, not because the anointing fell on me, not because I was excited to give this word. I was sweating because I was terrified. So I was like, okay, well, now I got a word. Now I have a responsibility to step out and give this word. So I stand up. I start walking over to him. And then in my peripheral vision, I see the washroom. 
and I had two choices to make. I was like, I can either walk up to him or I can go to the washroom and, and, and go sweat a little bit more. So I beelined it to the bathroom to gain my composure. And when I got enough confidence, I finally walked up to this guy. I said, hey, you know, I'm a Christian. I felt like God, speak today. Uh, God speaks today. And God gave me a word for you. Can I share with you what he told me? And he said, absolutely, you can. I said to him, I said, ever since you were a small child, you've felt like you've chased after beauty your entire life, but it has always felt just out of hand's grasp. But God is saying that he's about to open doors that you've been praying to have open, and he's about to close doors that you've been praying to have closed. And he says to me, he's like, you have no clue what you just said. I was like, you're right. I was, I was like, I have no clue. And this is what he does. He spins his journal around and he slides it over to me and he says, read what I just wrote. And I read it. This is what it said. Dear God, ever since I was a small child, I feel like I've chased after beauty my entire life, but it's always felt just out of hand's grasp. I pray that you'll open doors that I've been praying to have open and I pray that you'll close doors that I've been praying to have closed. Now, the thing that excites me about this testimony, two things. First thing is this. I realized the power of God's word because I remember looking in his eyes and I'll never forget it. It wasn't a man who was just wowed by the supernatural. I looked into the eyes of a man whose heart had just been transformed. And I realized the power of God's spoken word. The second thing that really moves me in this is that way back then when I was 18 years old, I wasn't quote unquote recognized as a national or international prophetic speaker. I was a young 18 year old kid. And all that I had was an adamant yes in my heart to say surely if God can speak to someone like Moses, surely if God can speak to someone like Ezekiel or Isaiah, then, then he can speak to me as well. Isn't, isn't an adamant yes powerful? That's all that he needs. He needs one adamant yes. God can transform a nation through that. He can mark an entire generation through that. Do you believe that? Now I'll be really real with you if I can. As I've traveled and spoken, training people in the prophetic, I've been doing this for almost 20 years. Sometimes when I say the words prophetic ministry at a church, I can feel a lot of excitement in the room. Other times when I say the words prophetic ministry in the church, I can feel anxiety going up in a room. It's one or the two. If I can, if I can be really real right now, I feel like right now we're at about 70%, 30% in the room right now. 70% of people being excited, 30% being like, I want to be a little bit cautious with this. And that's fine. But God does want to adjust our thinking a little bit. I remember when I was 20 years old, this is when I first started traveling and speaking. I was living in Calgary, Alberta. Anyone from Calgary? A few of you guys. You guys grimaced when I said Calgary. There's a weird rivalry with Edmonton folk and Calgary folk. My goodness. So at about 20 years old, I had, I'd began traveling and speaking and I would train people in the prophetic. And anywhere that I would go and travel and speak, any city, people were super receptive. But in Calgary, it was like anytime I would talk about the prophetic ministry, it was like hitting a brick wall over and over and over and over again. And it was so frustrating. And I started just kind of like investigating a little bit. So I contacted some pastors that I knew. And I was like, you guys, what happened in the city to make people so jaded towards the prophetic ministry? And this is what they told me. Now, I'm not going to say names because I always want to be honoring, but they did say this. They said about 15 years prior to this, 
There was a man who functioned quite a bit in the prophetic ministry here in the city of Calgary, and he had a very profound gift. And they shared some of the stories. I was astounded by his prophetic gift. But he had a, he had a very wounded heart. Now, if you get to know me well enough, you'll know that I am a huge advocate that if we're going to move in weighty gifts, I think we have a responsibility to try to cultivate a healthy heart. I really do. Because if we don't have a healthy heart, then it can actually corrupt our gifting. I'd love to share on that one day with you guys. So this man would function in the prophetic, had a very profound gift, but there was some wounding in his heart and it came out that there were, you know, some, some sexual allegations against him. He ended up in prison for a while. Like it was, it was a huge ordeal. So you can imagine you have someone who is predominantly a prophetic voice functioning in the prophetic, but misrepresenting Jesus the prophet. It is going to cause a heart wound within an entire city. And this is what we faced up with in the city of Calgary. Now, oh, I, can, I feel like a lure to want to teach on this because I really, I just love talking about this. I'll give you one snippet. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, you know, it talks about how we're created in the image of God. It talks about how we're created in the image of God. So there is not a single person in this room who was not created in the image of God. So God created us in his image. So therefore, when we create, we create in our own image. So as leaders, we carry a responsibility to have health in our heart because whatever we build with our hands, we will create in our own image. And if I have holes and dysfunction and chaos in my heart, then there will be holes, dysfunction, and chaos in what I build. So if you say have a leader of a big church or a leader of of a big organization and they have competition in their heart, that will inevitably be interwoven within the culture of the church. Some of you guys might be thinking, well, I'm not a church leader. How about being a leader of your home? How many of you guys know this? If you have an angry father or an angry mother, that dysfunction in the heart will be built within the foundation of the home. It affects the whole thing. So as leaders, we carry a responsibility to keep this healthy. So I find out about this, that there's a huge heart wound in the city of Calgary, and I asked the Lord, I was like, well, what, what do you want me to do about this? And in my young, naive state, I expected the Lord to say, I want you to minister everywhere but here. This is what he said to me. He said, I want you to build in this city. And I said to him, I said, well, how long am I going to do this? Like, what's the cost? I learned very young that when God says something to me, I always ask him, what's the cost for this? It's not so that I'll say, no, I want to know what I'm in for. And he said to me, he said, the cost is going to be 10 years of your life. It's going to be a decade. You're going to build here for a decade. So me me and Sophie, we built for a decade trying to establish the prophetic. And by the end of 10 years, I don't have time to get into all of it now, but we saw profound shifts and transformations in the city of Calgary concerning how they embrace Jesus the prophet. Because how many of you guys know this? When we reject something like the prophetic ministry, we're not just rejecting a ministry. We are rejecting Jesus the prophet. We are. So I understand that some of us have had bad experiences with, say, prophecy. However, however, we need to learn to let go of some of the things that have happened in us. Maybe we need to, uh, to, to forgive. Maybe we need to allow some bitterness to leave so that we can embrace Jesus in totality. When I speak to highly prophetic people, you know what I often tell them? It's not enough just to receive Jesus the prophet. You also need Jesus the pastor. You need to know how to do community. You need, how, you need, need to know how to do relationships. We talked about this several weeks ago at the church. It was awesome. Jim talked about the fivefold ministry. Remember this? 
Uh, what is it? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. God has appointed some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. You know what the foundation revelation of this is? We need to embrace Jesus as our apostle. Jesus as our prophet. Jesus as our evangelist. Jesus as our pastor. Jesus as our teacher. So what I want to do, I want to share with you guys a little bit of prophetic history of where we've kind of gotten a little afraid of the prophetic. You fine with that? So before the 1980s, there was a, almost like a drought in the body of Christ. It was almost like we were living in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, where it talks about how Samuel, the, the boy, grew before the Lord, but the word of the Lord was rare. So through the cross, we're brought into a communicable relationship where God speaks to us. That, that is very true, but we didn't have widespread revelation that God was still speaking. So before the 80s, there was the occasional man or woman of God who would stand up, and we knew that God spoke to them. They would give prophetic words, but the rest of the body of Christ, it's like we were just sitting around waiting for the prophets to speak. All of a sudden, the 1980s hits, and this revelation hits the church, and it's transformational, and we understand as the global church, it's like God still speaks today. He still speaks. We can still have visions. We can still have dreams. It was like Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. In the, in the last days, God will pour out his spirit over all flesh. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. God will pour out his spirit over all flesh. You know what all flesh means from the Greek? Whole body. God will pour out his spirit over the whole body. Even the Baptists? Absolutely. Even the Mennonites? Absolutely. It's like we were living that in that in the 1980s. God still speaks. Now, I've been a student of church history for several years, and something that I've observed in my studies is that when God releases a new revelation to the body of Christ, there is a temptation due to a lack of wisdom and experience to take that revelation and to pull it to unhealthy extremes. So if the one extreme is that, God, is that we believe God does not speak today, what's the other extreme? It's that God speaks, but there's no order. God speaks, but there is no protocol. Now, if you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, this is like the chapter on New Testament prophecy. There is a lot in there about the activation of the gift. It's like, you know, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you will prophesy. However, it, there's a lot in there about the order, keeping it healthy. So in the 1980s, we had a lot of people who functioned in the prophetic from a very healthy place, but we had a lot of people who didn't. And with those who didn't, we saw a lot of people wounded by the prophetic on a mass scale throughout the body of Christ. This is what I believe happened. As New Testament people, we, we caught a revelation that God still speaks today. So what we did is we looked into the New Testament and we looked for an, an embodiment of a New Testament prophet. And we looked for this because we wanted to know how to model the New Testament prophetic ministry. But how many of you guys know this? There are, there are very few New Testament prophets. There's a few. Agabus, Judas, Silas, they were all called prophets in the book of Acts. But there was no embodiment of a New Testament prophet. So what we did is we overlooked Paul the, uh, Paul the Apostle's teachings on the prophetic ministry in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and we looked to a place to where there were many prophets. Where were there many prophets? Kansas City, that's the best answer. <laughs> we looked to the Old Testament. 
we began to look at how Old Testament prophets prophesied and we began to model the prophetic ministry after Old Testament prophets and in doing so as the prophetic community, we picked up an Old Covenant mentality. Now, Old Testament prophecy functioned very different than how, how New Testament prophecy is, is supposed to function. Very different. The reason why is because Jesus had not died on the cross yet. How many of you guys know Jesus changed everything? He, he rewrote every rule. So I'll share with you how Old Testament prophecy worked. So in the Old Testament, because Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet, sin still stood as a barrier between man and God. There was still this distinct separation, this distinct wall. So a prophet's job in the Old Testament was this. It was to go to a person, an individual, a, a city, a nation, a king, a queen, a government representative, and their job was to pinpoint the sin. It was to pinpoint the sin, this separation point. They would call out that sin, so it was highly correctional. Now, the hope would be that the people would remove the sin, because if they removed the sin, there would be a form of reconciliation between man and God. If they didn't remove the sin, a prophet's job was then to pronounce the consequences of them not removing the sin. Now, because of this, Old Testament prophecy functioned out of three principles, judgment, condemnation, high levels of correction. You can imagine if you took these three principles and started operating them in present times, it's not gonna go very well. In fact, a lot of people are gonna get hurt. And it was in the 1980s when it got actually very, prop, very popular for ministers to stand from a stage to point someone out in a crowd and to be like, the Lord just showed me your sin. This is what you did. You need to repent. And it's like, I, I personally don't agree with that ever because I don't believe that that's the father's heart to humiliate his children. So if Old Testament prophecy functioned out of judgment, condemnation, high levels of correction, what's the template for New Testament prophecy? It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. It says the prophecy is for the edification of the church, which means to build up, the exhortation of the church, which means to encourage, and for the comforting of the church. Edification, exhortation, comforting. How many of you guys know that looks a lot different than judgment, condemnation, high levels of correction? Do you see the distinction? So what would it look like if we took, say, an Old Testament prophet and we threw him into the New Testament? It's, it's really interesting because we can actually see it in scripture. You guys remember the prophet Elijah? Profound prophet, profound prophet. So Elijah in his prophetic ministry in 1 Kings, he would do things like call fire down from heaven to consume his foes. Like that's wild, hey? You can't do that today. <laughs> remember, remember John and James wanted to do that and Jesus was like, you don't know what spirit you're of. So he would call fire down from heaven to consume his foes. Elijah slayed the 400 false prophets and we could rejoice in this because it was the old covenant. It was a covenant of judgment. Now, what would it look like if Elijah stepped from the Old Testament into the New Testament? We can see it in Malachi chapter four, verses five and six. God says in this word, he says, in the last days, I will send my servant Elijah. And what will he, what will he do? He'll turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and turn the hearts of the children back to the father. Now, in the Old Testament, Elijah's prophetic ministry looks like slaying false prophets. In New Testament times, Elijah's prophetic ministry looks like reconciling hearts. Why is that? It's because when he steps from the old covenant into the new covenant, his ministerial expression of prophecy completely shifts because the covenant that he lived under changed. <sighs> Man, doesn't the Bible just mess you up in a really good way? So let's simplify this a little bit. Old Testament prophecy. 
It's like walking up to someone, and when I walk up to them, I look at them and I see the dirt and the dysfunction. How many of you know we all have dirt and dysfunction? We do. I, I have my own too. I have my own process that I'm working through. We have dirt and dysfunction. So that's Old Testament prophecy. That's what we're looking for. New Testament prophecy is this. I walk up to someone, and maybe I can see the dirt and the dysfunction. And it's not wrong to see the dirt and the dysfunction. That can be a part of a gift of discernment sometimes. In fact, discerning the dirt and the dysfunction can actually help us with navigating relationships. You know, what boundaries do we need? How close do we want to? Like, it's not wrong to see the stuff. It's wrong to camp out in it. Because God wants to give us new eyes as prophetic people to sure acknowledge that, but to see past it into the potential of who this person was created to be. Because how many of you guys know this? When the Father looks at us, he doesn't look at us through the lens of our circumstances, our sins, our dysfunctions. He looks at us through the lens of the blood of his son, Jesus, which purifies us. So therefore, we see exactly who that person was created to be, even if they're not living there. One of the great privileges of my life that I get to do as I have a very public side to my ministry where I get to speak from stages and write books and do all that fun stuff. But behind the scenes, I get to function as a prophetic voice into leaders. Some of them are uprising leaders. Some of them are very established leaders. So I get to prophesy into say government leaders, CEOs. Like it's a lot, it's a lot of fun seeing the prophetic show up in those places. Hey, see guys, this is like our training ground in here. We learn to practice in here. We learn to hear God's voice in here so that our our ears can actually be fine-tuned so that we can actually rise up in our spheres of influence to speak God's word there. Because that's the end goal of where we really want it. People will often ask me, they'll be like, well, Luke, how in the world do you get to say prophesy over a a well-known government leader? How does that happen? It happens one of two ways for me. Either it happens just because of reputation you know, they hear about my prophetic ministry. Often, um, often it happens uh, because they have a dream that they can't discern, so they seek me out for dream interpretation, which is cool. God speaks through dreams, hey? The other reason why it happens is it, it happens in this way. I remember several years ago, I was brought in to speak to a, a very small group of leaders. There was maybe 15 leaders or so. And there was a young man there who just kind of like tagged along, and he was passionate about politics but didn't do anything in politics. So I gave him a word and He didn't really know what he was doing in his life at the time. Two months later goes by. And I had a dream. And in this dream, I saw the parliament building in Ottawa. And I saw that the Lord had had reserved a seat for him as a member of parliament in the nation of Canada. And the Lord gave me this huge word just based off of this dream of what he would do in his political career. And I woke up from that dream and I was literally sweating because this wasn't just like a prophetic word. I knew this was like the word of the Lord. And I went for a drive with God and I drove with God for hours and hours and hours and I was just processing with him and God spoke to me. He said to me, he's like, Luke, if you give this man this word, it's gonna result in him becoming a member of parliament in the nation of Canada. But he said, if you don't give this word, I'm not gonna raise someone else up to give it. So he said, if you give this word, he actually said it's gonna go into the very DNA of Canada. It's gonna bring transformation to this nation. But he said, I'm not raising someone else up to give the word. So he says, if you don't give this word, I'm gonna hold you accountable for the change that never happened in Canada. <laughs> Everyone's always like, man, I want the big words. Hey, hey, the big words come at a cost. They do, they come at a cost. So I contacted him, gave the word. 
the fun thing is, is that I got to coach him for the next five years. You know, he would contact me and be like, hey, do you think this is a season for me to pursue my political career or what do I do? And sometimes it'd be like, yeah, run hard into this. No, this is a time to rest, to be in family. And I'd kind of coach him prophetically. But only a few years ago, he got voted in as a member of parliament for the nation of Canada, bringing massive change to our nation. Like, powerful, hey? How many of you guys know God wants his word in high places? Now, why do I share this story? I share this story because it's a good example of New Testament prophecy and what it looks like. Because when the world looks at someone, they see through the lens of assumption. When the enemy looks at someone, he looks at us through the lens of accusation. But as prophetic people, we have the ability to fine tune our eyes to see people through the eyes of heaven. We see straight into people's potential of who God had created them to be. You know, someone who I've I've always found to be a very fascinating person in scripture is Samson. You guys remember Samson? I find him fascinating because the Bible talks so much about spiritual strength, but he was the one known for natural strength. One of the things that I find very fascinating about Samson is that he was recorded as the strongest man in all of scripture, but his size was never mentioned. You'd think he would have been like this super buff, ripped, you know, and if you compare him to say like Goliath, Goliath's size and, and, and physique is like, it goes into great detail in 1 Samuel. But Samson, his size is never mentioned. Why is that? It's probably because he was like a regular sized guy. It's probably that he was a regular sized guy. And what's the truth in this? What's the teaching in this? It's that God tends to hide greatness within human vessels. And as prophetic people, we have the ability to look at someone and to see past their humanity, to to see past their normality, to see the essence of the divinity of Jesus that has been put inside of them. You hear that? Could you imagine if we started functioning like this as a community? Did you know that you have generals sitting beside you right now in the room? Did you know that there's fathers and mothers sitting beside you in the room? We just don't know it and they might not know it. But God wants to actually give us eyes to be able to see one another through the eyes of the Spirit. He wants to give us eyes so that we can actually build one another up. I'm going to share one more story, if that's fine. I'm going to share with you why we need prophetic culture at our churches. I'm going to share with you why we need things completely rewired. You know, where we understand it's like we need Jesus the prophet in our church. I'll share with you through a story. Several years ago, I was walking throughout Walmart. How many of you guys know this? Walmart is the best place for God to move. (laughs) Walmart is the most necessary place for God to move. If you work at Walmart, man, you are like the missionary of missionaries. (laughs) I'm walking throughout Walmart and I look over through an aisle and I see this young woman and she's a worker there and she's stocking shelves and the Lord speaks to me and he gives me a word of knowledge for her and says she has pain in her her lower back. Now I get words of knowledge all the time. That's not even a very specific word of knowledge. Quite general actually. But I walk up to her and I ask her this question. I was like, you know, this might be a random question for you. Do you get pain in your lower back? And she said, I do. How do you know that? And I said to her, well, I'm a Christian and God showed me that. He showed me that you have pain in your lower back. And if you let me pray for you, God's gonna heal you. Now, the next thing that she said to me, just it, moves, it moved my heart then and it moves my heart now. 
She asked me a question and this, this is what she said. She said, God really sees me? God really sees me? How many of you guys know this, man? There are people outside the four walls of these church and they are desperate to know that they are seen by a loving father. They are desperate to be seen by a loving father. Because beneath all their circumstances, all their wounds, all their hurts, they don't see who they are anymore. And they need to know that they are seen by God. Now let's take it a step further. How many of you guys know that there's people in the room right now where they feel so stuck under their circumstances and stuck under their labels, stuck under a false identity and their hearts are just crying out saying, I want to be seen by God. I want to know that he sees me. I want to know that he loves me. There's people in the room right now. You guys, I love teaching on the prophetic. I love training people to hear his voice and I think that's a blast, but how many of you know it has to start with, our, with ourselves? Yes. When you look in the mirror, do you see yourself through the lens of an old covenant? Or do you see yourself through the lens of a, of a loving father who sent his only son to die for you? It's like we need to shift you guys. It's one thing to look at your neighbor next to you and to not see them through the eyes of judgment. It's another thing to look in the mirror and see yourself as a son or daughter. God wants to shift our perspectives because as he can shift our eyes and shift our perspectives, then we can do it for someone else. We could do it in the church and then we can do it out there in our spheres of influence. And I want to do this right now. You know, I've been trying to kind of discern like how do we want to end this and I, I was like, do we invite people up at the front to receive prayer? Do we do an impartation? But I don't feel like we need to do this. I feel like we need to do something softer today. I feel like we need to do something softer I feel like when I started talking about this at the end, where I said there's people in the room, you need to know that you are seen by God. And you actually cannot see yourself clearly. If that's you, in a moment here, I'm going to invite you to stand up. And what we're going to do is we're going to come around you like family and we're going to pray with you. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, I'm going to get you to stand up. And I'm going to say this. Don't worry about what the person next to you thinks. This is about you and God, and this is about your breakthrough right now, okay? Get your breakthrough today, because God wants to shift your eyes to show you who you really are. So on the count of three, I'm going to get you to stand up if this is you. One, two, three. Now let's do this. If there's someone standing around you right now, I want you to just stretch out your hands toward them. You might even want to stand up and come around them. And we're just going to take a moment just to love on them right now and just pray over them. This is family time, you guys. This is family time. Jesus, right now, right now, Jesus, we break off any form of identity crisis. For those who are standing and maybe they see themselves through the lens of their circumstance and they see themselves as, as marred and invaluable God, we declare that those mentalities are broken off right now in Jesus' name. And God, right now, Lord, over every single person standing, I declare a revelation of sonship and daughtership in the name of Jesus Christ. God, poor Jesus, we speak value over them. We speak worth 
We speak significance. God, we pray that you give them eyes not to see themselves through the lens of what happened or what's occurring in their lives, but God, that they'll see themselves through the eyes of the Father. That they'll give compassion to themselves. So God, pour over them right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And I declare this over you, I declare you are not alone. There's family around you, you are loved, you are valued. Now I wanna do this, and this is for everyone. You know, if you, if you feel to continue praying for the person you're with, then do that. But just stand up, and I want you to just hold out your hands. Jesus, right now, we pray for an activation right now in this place for us to be able to hear your voice, to understand how you speak. And even speak this out right now. Say, say, God, teach me how to hear your voice. Say, God, I ask for prophetic gifting. Jesus, I pray that you open up ears right now, that you open up eyes to see right now in Jesus' name. And God, right now, I feel to pray this, and I feel to pray this not, not just for us as a group, but into the very foundations of this church. God, where we have had an improper perspective of the prophetic ministry, where we've negated the purpose of the cross and the prophetic, Lord. Jesus, we repent from that way of thinking right now in Jesus' name, and God, we shift to a new covenant lens in the prophetic right now. In Jesus' name, we shift, God. We shift, we shift. And God, right now, we just lay aside fears and discomfort that we have around you, Jesus, as our prophet, as our Lord, but as our prophet, and Jesus, we just speak this out in the atmosphere, in this church, and we say, Jesus, we receive you as our prophet. Speak to us, train and equip us, teach us to hear your voice, God. Teach us to hear your word, Jesus. And God, I pray that this will just echo even into communities, into homes, into family, into fellowship, Jesus that we don't relate with one another because of what we're going through, but God, we look at one another through the, through the lens of the blood of Jesus, through the eyes of the Father, and God, I pray in this house that you give us eyes to see potential. You give us eyes to see the leaders rising around us, Jesus. Oh, God, I pray for this right now in Jesus' name. That, even throw out the term prophetic, Jesus, but that's the role of a father or mother. It's to look at a son or daughter and to see the potential inside of them, Jesus. Give us eyes to see God-given potential, Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Wow, wow, wow. Why don't you just do this? There's a stirring happening right now, hey? Pastor Chris is gonna come up just in a second here, but there's a stirring happening. Why don't you just put your hand on your belly? There's a fire that's being dropped right now. Hey, can you feel it burning in the room? It's like I feel more excited than I usually am. Just start praying over yourself. God, stir me up. God, stir me up. And don't just pray in your heart. Speak it out loud. There's power in your words. God, stir me up. God, stir me up. Stir me up. Stir me up to be a mouthpiece for you. Stir me up to be a mouthpiece for you, a prophetic ambassador, Jesus, to speak your word, to speak your truth. Stir me up. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Jesus. 
Let me say God is trying to prepare his body. He's trying to prepare his body so we start to function in our kingdom calling versus our earthly calling. And in order to do that, he wants our hearts healed. And when our hearts are healed, we can walk into all these realms and we can do exactly what Luke is saying. We can influence governments. We can influence our school. We can influence our home, our family, our kids, our parents. But God wants us healed. He wants us delivered. He wants us freed. He wants our doctrine to be aligned with his doctrine. He wants us to understand, and I've preached this before, we can't function at 20%. We've got to function at 100 And for some of us, we love maybe the pastor or the teaching, but not the prophetic. Or maybe for others, it's the other way. It doesn't work unless we're functioning at 100. We need them all. And so the wounds and the hurts, God heal us in Jesus' name. We've been hurt as a church in the past. We've gone through many moments of trying to break off our past hurts in our wounds from prophetic ministries. No more. It's a new season, and we welcome the prophetic. We welcome all the giftings, and we say, God, release them in Jesus' name. We will function in them. We will move in them because you need us to. So I'm going to challenge you. You have a kingdom calling. Let's function in it. Let's not run from it because of our pain and our hurt. So as you leave, know you are loved. Bless you.